0: Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
0: Strange and scary mysteries of the month? May 2020. Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month is a compilation of the weird, disturbing, and downright baffling stories currently happening in our world. From UFOs to serial killers, ancient sites, mysterious creatures, and even ghosts, these are the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month for May 2020. Number 5. Texas Model Kidnaps Daughter for six whole years, Penelope Inks was missing. She was only 10 years old in October of 2014 when her mother, Heather Inks, took her and vanished from their home in Texas City soon after her husband Kevin won sole custody of Penelope following a bitter divorce in 2008. After Heather took off with the little girl, the FBI issued a hunt for her, warning she was suicidal and possibly armed and dangerous, since she owned a handgun. Heather was dubbed as the nude model kidnapper after naked modeling photos of her emerged online after she became a fugitive. Apparently, Heather had dreamed of one day posing for Playboy magazine. For six whole years, Kevin Inks continued to search for his daughter, issuing a 10-minute video at the start of the case pleading for his daughter's safe return. But it wasn't until April 4th of 2020 when the Madisonville Police Department in Texas received a call from a woman staying at the Days Inn & Suites Motel in town. It was 1 a.m., and this woman said she feared for her safety, saying her ex-husband was plotting to poison her. She told authorities her name was Rose Louvet. Officers arrived at the motel and found the woman. They were suspicious of her identity and pressed her further, and that's when they realized they had Heather Inks. After a quick search of the motel, they found Penelope in another room. The young girl was now 16 years old. She was emaciated and weighed only around 74 pounds. Penelope was then immediately taken to a hospital for both mental and physical evaluations. After Heather's arrest and Penelope's recovery, Kevin expressed gratitude to all the investigators and people who helped find his daughter. He's also asking for some privacy at the time. So they can start with the healing process and eventually be reunited together as father and daughter. Heather Inks is currently being held at the Galveston County Jail on a $30,000 bond. A federal hold, however, prevents her from bonding out. Number 4 Haley Anderson It was March 8, 2018 when 22-year-old nursing student Haley Anderson from Binghamton University was found dead in an Oak Street apartment in Broome County, New York. She had been strangled to death. Haley was a fifth-year senior attending the university and was supposed to graduate in May of 2018. For almost a year and a half, she was in an on-and-off relationship with a man named Orlando Tercero a dual citizen of the U.S. and Nicaragua, and a fellow nursing student at the university. However, their relationship was very one-sided. Haley's friends say Tassero wanted to have a serious relationship with her, but she didn't feel the same way. Nevertheless, she still wanted to remain friends with him. At one point, Anderson filed a police report and included details stating she and Tassero previously dated for a short time, On September 15, 2017, when Anderson was at a party at Tissero's residence, he began shouting at her because she already started a new relationship with a common friend. Later on, Anderson's tires were discovered to be slashed. She believed it was Tissero who did it, but refused to press charges against him. On March 8, 2018, Anderson was with friends at a Binghamton bar. After they finished, it was around 4 a.m., instead of going home, Anderson headed to Tessero's house. No one knows exactly the reasons why she didn't go home. At the apartment, she fell asleep on his bed, and that's when Tessero attacked her. He strangled her. There were signs of bruising and ligature strangulation as well from the necklace she was wearing. For the motive, people believe it was because of jealousy that Anderson had moved on from dating him. Hours later, on the morning of March 8th, Tissero was captured on surveillance, leaving his apartment. He went to JFK Airport and boarded a flight to Nicaragua. Before leaving, he had texted Anderson's sister, and she in turn called 911. Police did a welfare check on his apartment, but no one was there, so they left. When Heather still didn't show up to home that day, her roommates became concerned and used an app to track her phone. They discovered it was inside Tissero's apartment They broke through his window, and that's where they found their friend's dead body inside his bedroom. By March 11th, Tissera was officially named as a suspect. It also stated he had fled to Nicaragua. A few days later, Nicaraguan police arrested him at Hospital de Leon, where he was admitted following a suicide attempt after killing Anderson. He was then charged with homicide in September of 2019 in a Nicaraguan court Eventually, Tissero is sentenced to serve 30 years in prison for his crime. An appeal to have his sentence reduced was rejected by the court. In Broome County, New York, he still faces a second-degree murder charge, although extradition is complicated and possibly unlikely since the U.S. doesn't have an extradition agreement with Nicaragua. Number 3. Wisconsin Slayings On March 31, 2020, a man jogging around the University of Wisconsin came across two bodies in a ditch. Robin Carr, who was 57 years old, and 52-year-old Dr. Beth Potter were found brutally shot and left for dead. Carr was pronounced dead on the scene while Potter was brought to the hospital but died shortly after. Judging from the execution-style deaths the couple suffered, police believed the killings were done by someone close to the victims. Several days later, authorities announced they arrested their first suspect, 18-year-old Kari Sanford. Apparently, Sanford went to the same high school as the three Potter Carr children. He is also said to be dating the victim's teenage daughter, Miriam Potter Carr. Even more, he was actually living in the same house as the victims week before the murders happened. Since their daughter and Sanford weren't following social distancing rules related to the COVID-19 situation, both Potter and Carr decided to arrange for their daughter and Sanford to live in an Airbnb instead. Apparently Beth Potter had a pre-existing health condition, which put her at risk if she got the virus. It's believed Sanford and an accomplice decided to rob the couple and plotted to kill them. An unnamed friend of Sanford said the suspect and his girlfriend, Miriam Carr, were talking about how they could get money from the victims. He also heard Miriam mention that her parents are rich. The unknown friend added that Sanford admitted to him about shooting the victims and he was worried because Potter had initially survived. Miriam Carr was questioned by police and she claimed Sanford was with her at the Airbnb on the night of the murders but a phone search contradicted her claim. Prosecutors haven't commented whether she is involved in plotting the death of her parents or not, though. Another suspect, 18-year-old Elijah LaRue, was arrested a day after Sanford's arrest. He also went to the same middle school as Sanford and the victim's three children. It's believed the two men were responsible for the deaths of Potter and Carr. Both were taken into custody and charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Friends and family lament the loss of Beth Potter and her husband. Potter is known for being generous and someone who was a warm and wonderful woman. Tributes by friends and family were also given to her husband, Robin, who is an independent education consultant. He also once served as director of operations for Regent Soccer Club and once an adjunct professor at Viterbo University until 2010. The investigation regarding the couple's death Still continues. Number two, Tom DeLong's UFO videos. Most 90s kids will remember Tom DeLonge for Blink-182, but these days, many know him as the UFO guy. DeLonge is co-founder of To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science, and while the name sounds like a formal education school The company is actually one of the leading paranormal research organizations in the world today. Their main purpose? To study and educate the public about UFOs and develop new technology based on what they find. Over the last few years, the same company has been at the forefront in releasing video footage aka proof of UFOs and finally getting the US government to admit unidentified aerial phenomena are happening within United States airspace. As of today, there have been a total of three short videos released by the company. These videos seem to capture unknown flying objects using infrared cameras from fighter jets. Two of the videos even have voice audio capturing seasoned fighter pilots completely in awe of how the unknown objects are moving. For some time, the Navy remained mum, but more recently, they officially declassified the videos admitting that it is real and taken by their fighter pilots during training. The Navy has also even released formal guidelines of its pilots so they can report whenever they see something they believe could be a UFO. These videos were first released in December of 2017 and March 2018, but the actual videos were taken around 2004. Even the pilots who spotted these objects have come out and spoken about their experiences publicly, U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor described the object as rapidly accelerating to the south where it disappeared in less than two seconds. For a long time, the government has never made a comment regarding UFOs until more recently when a piece by the New York Times uncovered the government did launch a program between 2007 and 2012 studying these unique aerial encounters. According to the former head of the once-classified program, Luis Elizondo, He thinks there's evidence that we may not be alone. Elizondo resigned from the program in protest to the fact that it's been kept a secret from the public and over the internal opposition in funding it. He later worked with Tom DeLonge to create the To the Stars company. As mentioned, the Navy has officially declassified the videos that To the Stars Academy initially released snippets of. While they never called them blatantly UFOs, preferring to say unknown aerial phenomena instead, it still serves as somewhat validation that there are things in our skies that even the government don't know about. Just this past month, DeLong released a video that he filmed outside of his home that appears to show UFOs in the sky. As we fight this pandemic, UFO enthusiasts are saying there have been more sightings recorded. Whether aliens exist, have something to do with what's happening, or are just curious about us, maybe it's just a matter of time before we get to the real answers. Number 1. Gabriel Wartman Amidst the coronavirus pandemic, Nova Scotia grappled with one of its deadliest mass shootings to date. Denture maker Gabriel Wartman, who is 51 years old, went on a rampage and killed 22 people while injuring three others in what was described as 13 hours of terror for the residents of the small town of Porta Peak, Nova Scotia and other nearby towns. On April 18th, Wartman and his girlfriend attended a party but left around 9pm after they started arguing. The argument escalated into a full-blown fight as Wartman then attacked his girlfriend. He tried to tie her down, but she managed to escape and fled into the woods. Out of a fit of rage, Wartman set their house on fire, returned to the party they attended, and without any provocation, began shooting people. Shortly after, residents in the area called police reporting gunshots as well as seeing several fires. By the time police arrived on the scene at 9.26 p.m., they found 13 people dead in a total of eight homes around Orchard Beach Drive, as well as Porta Peak Beach Road. Three of the homes had been set on fire. Several people had died trying to escape the burning buildings or while assisting the other victims. Initially, police couldn't find Wartman and had no idea who he was. It wasn't until one of the victims who survived told police the shooter looked like he was driving a police vehicle. Shortly after that, police identified Gabriel Wartman as a suspect. Overnight, the police actively traced Wartman's location. It turns out, after killing people in Porta Peak, he drove east and headed to the Debert area. The following morning, he drove north on Highway 4 and headed to a house in Wentworth. He knew the residents of the home and killed them, including a neighbor who tried to help. He stayed at the house for some time before lighting it on fire, which resulted in an explosion. At around the same time, police found Wartman's girlfriend who was hiding in the woods. She confirmed Wartman was the shooter and told them he was impersonating an officer. She also provided a photo of the replica police car he was driving. By then, the RCMP proclaimed an active shooter situation in the nearby areas. Wartman continued in his rampage, randomly killing people he passed by on the side of the road. He also performed two traffic stops pretending to be an officer and killed the occupants of those vehicles. He then shot at an RCMP officer cruiser injuring the officer inside. While driving further south, Wartman collided with officer Heidi Stevenson who recognized Wartman. He managed to kill her before taking her bullets and sidearm. He then set two cars on fire. He also killed another driver who stopped to help Stevenson. Wartman took the other victim's silver Chevy Tracker SUV and then took off. Next, he headed to another home nearby, a woman he had known, and killed her. He changed his clothes and took the victim's Mazda 3. By 11.26, Wartman stopped to refuel at a gas station where the RCMP officer was filling up on gas. This officer recognized him and shot him. His death was confirmed by police at around 11.40 a.m. after 13 hours of hunting and killing people at random. Authorities confirmed many of Wartman's victims were initially people he was acquainted with at some point in his life, but as the shootings progressed, he simply didn't care and began killing random strangers. Wartman had a history of trouble with the law before. He had pleaded guilty to assault in 2002, and was ordered to join anger management counseling. He was known to collect police memorabilia as well as owning two refurbished police cruisers. His neighbors said he was obsessed with his girlfriend and he had alcohol issues. While he was considered a millionaire by some people, his denture business suffered a hit as Nova Scotia closed all non-essential services because of the pandemic, possibly adding to the mental stress he was already going through. Today, police are still looking into Wartman's past and wondering if there's a possibility he may have had an accomplice. As a result of the attacks, Prime Minister Trudeau has banned the sale, transport and import of more than a thousand military-grade assault weapons in Canada, similar to what Wartman had used to kill his many victims. So there were the strange and scary mysteries of the month from May of 2020. Every day we encounter strange and baffling stories that most of us don't know what to make of. These are just a handful, but there's still so many more to discover.